Welcome to another Sunday Session podcast. We are almost at the finish line of what's been an incredible season. Chris Kennedy in the studio with Kenny Scott. And we've got NRL.com senior reporter Brad Walter dialing in. Uh, Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, CK. Uh, It's excellent to be here. But you know what? A little bit sad as well because this is our last Sunday Session for season 2019. What a ride it's been. What a ride it's been. And uh, no Craig Wing because he's busy uh, doing his thing at Bankwest Stadium where uh, Wenty are taking on the Newtown Jets. He's working for the New South Wales Rugby League. So he's missing our final Sunday Session of the year. But we do have Brad Walter with us. Brad, thanks for being here. Yeah, how are you, Chris and Kenny? Doing fantastic. Uh, Yeah, last one of the year, eh? It's... uh... It's amazing, isn't it? You know that you start start at the beginning of the season, and you think, "Wow, it's such a long season." You get to the end, and you're thinking, "What are we going to do next week or the week after?" You know. Thank God for international. That first, that first Friday. Thank God for international. That, okay? that first yeah. Friday after work. When there's no football on, a little bit of me dies every single year when I realise I have to think, what am I supposed to do with myself? <laughs> what, what normally happens at this time when there's no footy on? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, we do have plenty of footy to talk about. This weekend, as always, we'll go back through in reverse chronological order, and that uh, means we start off with the Dragons and the Roosters in the NRLW, the standalone match. Um, Dragons have earned themselves a grand final berth against the uh, very hard-to-beat Brisbane Broncos. Um, Brad, you uh, witnessed this one. What were your thoughts on the Dragons' performance? Yeah, they played some good attacking football. They absorbed some some early pressure from the Roosters, and uh, and then you know when they got their chances, they they, they took them. Um, the Roosters probably made too many mistakes, and I think that's been the the tale of their mm. season. Um, you know, but they had nothing to play for. They went into the, the Roosters went into this game knowing after yesterday's match in which the Warriors beat the uh, Broncos that. They were playing for nothing, and the Dragons were playing for a spot in the grand final. And the Roosters mm. still gave it, gave it everything they've got, and uh, put in a, a pretty decent account of themselves. Twenty four, sixteen, um, but, but the game was in the balance until the dying minutes. Yeah, I would say this is a this is a, a great example of uh, throughout you know throughout history there are examples of women taking up the slack for men, and in this mm-hmm. case it was the Dragons women's team doing it um, because the Dragons men's team just let the, didn't live up to the fans' expectations this year. I actually went out to Leichhardt over for this one, and you could see there was heaps of Dragons fans there, and they were hungry. They mm-hmm. wanted something. They were like yeah, they've right. been they they like they were really behind this team. It was it was great scenes, but you could tell that the fans. Um, really, uh, they they felt satisfied. I think knowing that the, the team was going to go through the grand final. I think it's been it's been a while for Dragons fans, um, and I, luckily the women's team gave them something. What was it like? I mean, you, like you said, you're at the ground, just seeing that that back line light up again. I think we talked last week about that All Origin centre pairing: Jess Sergis and Tiana Penatani. They were in the action again. Uh, Shaq Tungai scored a try. It seems like they uh, once they're Outside backs get some room to, to wind up. They're very hard to handle. Yeah, it was really really fast, um, and yeah, good good attacking football. It was it was it was a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. Well, um, sets up a, a mouth-watering grand final uh, against the Broncos. Well, we'll talk about them in a minute, but um, in true fashion, we're going to go through in order. So that takes us to uh, last night and uh, the Roosters booking themselves a spot in the grand final, a chance to go back-to-back, the first team to do so in a, a unified comp since the Broncos in 92-93. The Storm fought hard. They um, Just a few too many errors, a few little bits of execution that weren't quite right. I don't know if it was that, you know, S. CG Bermuda Triangle throwing their their kickers off. Brad, you and I were both there. What were your thoughts on this one? I thought it was a pretty dour game. I thought it was two really good defensive teams who just cancelled each other out. And while it was a it was a gripping contest, and you, 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 you were you, 
I just felt like we were waiting for something to happen, for someone to break the game open, and it never happened. It was just a, it was just a stranglehold. Um, but the, the Roosters took their chances um, better than what the Storm did. The Storm applied a lot of pressure in the second half, and I think maybe you know the Storm also suffered from they lost uh, Vunavalu before the game. Um, they had they lost um, Kafusi twenty four minutes in. Um, so that really affected, though they both depend on the same edge, that really affected them. They had Will Chambers playing out of position um, on the wing. Mm. Um, they just they just weren't quite right, you know. The, the, the Storms, they certainly didn't have their best lineup uh, on the field. And, um, you know, I just think that, that that affected them. But, you know, full marks for the Roosters. They weren't at full strength either. Um, you know, they've had some injury concerns. Mitch Orbison didn't finish the game. Luke Curie was out there limping. Uh, and they haven't been with Jake Friend for 10 weeks. Um, you know, and they've had a lot of other injuries throughout the season and, and they've just kept on keeping on. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's what's fantastic is we've got the opportunity to see a team win um, back-to-back premierships. Um, a lot of people have never experienced that. I don't... I, I certainly... I've been covering rugby league for, like, 20... Over 20 years and I've never... I've never reported on um, uh, back-to-back premiers. So, um, yeah, so, you know, there's a chance for that to happen. But, and it's, uh, you know, and also Cooper Cronk, it's his last game. It's his fourth consecutive grand final, the last two for the Roosters, two before that for the Storm. He's played in nine grand finals in total. I think you pointed out, Chris, last, yeah. last night that in 16 seasons he's played in nine grand finals. So, you know, more than 50% of, of uh, his football career He's finished in a grand final. Um, that, that is just, place, just sorry to cut you off, Brad, but that is like, that's an amazing stat. They're, it's ridiculous. How can a player. How hard just, it is to make a grand final yeah, to do it more than half the time. There, there, are players, there are great players that would have gone through their career and had not played in a grand final. And yet he's played in 50, more, he's had more seasons in a grand final than not. That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, and all the players who have done it in the past, there's not many of them. So, Norm. Norm Proven and uh, Brian Popper Clay have played in 10 grand finals. They, they were both um, members of that great yeah. St. George team that won 11 in a row. Uh, Popper Clay played, two, played in two grand finals for Newtown as well. Uh, Eddie Lumsden played nine grand finals, the same as, uh, as Cronk. He was also a member of that St. George, that great St. George team. And the only other player who's played nine grand finals is Ron Coot, and he did it with the Rabbitohs, and then uh, he switched over to the Roosters. And, uh, um, you know, he's had a, probably a similar in, similar impact uh, on the Roosters in the um, early to mid-70s as what um, Cooper Cronk has had now. So does this, um, like you said, it's his fourth straight grand final. It's the second time he's done that because it was 2006, 7, 8 and 9 with the Storm. He played in four in a row as well. And I realise there's an asterisk over those teams because of their, their salary caps and the, the, the salary cap dramas, the premierships were stripped. But he still played in those games. He still had to get there. Um, do we start now to talk about potentially Cooper in that Immortals conversation that, you know, Cameron Smith and Billy Slater have been in for so long, just with what he's been able to achieve at a new club in the last two years, what he did last year with a broken shoulder, what he's done, you know, this year, just that incredible diligence, professionalism, longevity. Does that sort of put him in that conversation? Yeah, I think he's got to be in the conversation without a doubt. Um, it's It's a funny one because you look at everything he's achieved, and his professionalism and how hard he's worked. And, pro- and we're probably, you know, when people think of Cooper Cronk versus, say, you know, Cameron Smith or Andrew Johns or any of those players, we think of those other players because of their brilliance. And, and we probably, like, don't give Cooper Cronk the credit he deserves 
because we know that he's not a he wasn't a natural halfback. He's a guy who had to work really, really hard just to become a first grade halfback and he's turned into one of the greats through through his professionalism and he, his work ethic, um, more so than his brilliance. But he is a great you know, he's he's it's not only the uh, physical work on the training paddock, but it's the study that he's done on the game and he's developed into, you know, one of the great um, uh, game managers, I suppose mm. you'd, you'd call it. Um, you know, I think he has to be in the conversation because of what he's achieved, and, and probably he'll probably get more credit in 30, 40 years' time when people who don't remember him playing look back and they see what he's achieved, and they'll say, you know, st- you know, this guy, how, how good was he? He's, he's obviously one of the great uh, mm. players of all time. Well, those, you know, those premierships, the origins that he's won, the, the record that he has at, at Dwarfs, what Andrew Johns, you know, finished up with in terms of just the the blunt wins and losses column, and um, I think we all know Joey's brilliance and the way he was able to just swing the yeah, a match on his own sort of moments of brilliance. But when you just look at tally up those wins, like you say, when you you go down the track and people don't remember them playing, it's going to be very hard to ignore. Um, a few other talking points out of this game. One was around Luke Keary. Um, you mentioned, I think, at the top that he was hobbling a bit with that ankle that he, he picked up an injury two weeks ago in the first final. He obviously um, was charged with a, a grade one careless for that swinging arm on Felice Cafusi. Didn't he look angry when he when that, that <laughs> happened? I've never seen Luke Keary look... People, it was look, a huge fend to the he face was, from was... Cafusi. At what point do we? You know, people are saying Cafusi should have been sin bin for an open hand slap. Like at what point? Like how how much can you fend someone before you're just running up and just pretty much punching, like punching them in the, in the face? Chest. Yeah, like was... um, well, I, I think you can fend them as hard as you want. And like Jared McCracken was around, but he was a great uh, a great mm. fender. Um, you know, he palm with force and you know push guys off like flies. And you know, I think it was probably unfortunate for. Uh, Luke Terry that he copped a tear in the face and he did react. I, at the time, look personally, I I questioned why Luke Terry wasn't sent to the sin bin. I just mm. thought the way he reacted, I thought that was foul play. And the fact that the Melbourne Storm lost um, Felice Cafusi for the rest of the match, I thought I thought that warranted a, a sin bin. I've got no problem with it, with him being charged grade one uh, careless high tackle. I think that is 100 percent right, and, and yeah. uh, the charge is right. But I just thought I thought I thought at the time, you know. Why aren't we talking about him being sent to Sinbin? I thought mm. at the time he should have been Sinbin, and I put in my match report that um, you know the Storm lost Kafusi for the game because he failed his HIA. Apparently, news wow. today from the medical report that's actually not the case. Um, he passed his HIA and he couldn't come back on because he's uh, he's carrying a couple of broken ribs and he just was no good to come yeah. back on. So they actually didn't lose him apparently because of the, the swinging arm. They lost him because of his his ribs. Um, I don't know if that. Really, I still thought a sin bin was probably warranted, but it's just an interesting little postscript. Um, yeah. Do you, do you one, think the sin bin wasn't wasn't a thought because just there was just such a size difference between Kafusi and Kiri? Little Kiri, you know, like it's it sin bin for that. It's, it's it just didn't seem to work out. Yeah. Well, if Jared Ware Hargrave did that tackle, I reckon he would have got sent. To the yeah, exactly. Well, if yeah, it was, if it was, a, it was a different player, because it was a nasty tackle. There's no, there's no like um, no ands or buts about it. It was a swinging arm right into the face, deliberate. It looked a bit intentional. Um, didn't he, he? he was very the angry. Look in his, he was really angry. He was like, "I'm going to, I'm going to get him here." Um, um, yeah, I think if it was a different player, um, even a, a clean skin like Kiri, that but of a bigger size, it probably would have been. I reckon just because he's so slight compared to Kafusi, mm. nothing, nothing came of it. It certainly uh, it wasn't the only um, fiery moment of the match. It started uh, right from the kickoff. Um, Big Nelson Asper Solomona um, was charging into Siwa Takiyahu. Uh, Takiyahu said during the week that he had to. 
to uh, to lift and, and show some intensity and leadership in Jared Rhea Hargreaves absence he wanted to, to dominate the storm pack they they clashed um, Nelson got up you know swinging in the he slapped Siwa who was <laughs> tell you what I, I wouldn't be throwing down at Siwa having seen the uh, the fiery response that that he got they ended up both in the sin bin but it was uh, it was a huge turning point because um, Nelson was the one who was pinged for for starting the uh, the incident and they were in possession at the time and it handed the roosters a free two-point start so it's probably a bit of a brain snap there from Nelson is a double sin binning within 90 seconds a record surely it has to be within 20 seconds within 20 seconds yeah yeah um, yeah, I'd say it's got to be a record. It'd have to be, yeah. I don't know how you check that, but certainly don't recall. Mm. You know, I've seen, you know, we saw Adrian Morley sent off on at the start of a, a test match for a, a high shot. We've seen seen it happen at the start of a game, but a double sim bin that early on, I certainly don't recall. Yeah. Um, anyway, the wash-up is Roosters are into a grand final. They get Jared Rhea Hargreaves back. Um, it's going to be conjecture a week around whether Jake Friend comes back in. Apparently his arm's okay, but it was a tightness in the calf that kept him out. It'd be very, very tough to uh, drop Sam Verrills after what he's done the last 10 weeks or so. He's been super impressive. And, you know, could you drop... Um, Brad, could you drop Sam Verrills and bring Jake Friend in? Um, or if Jake Friend comes in, do you have to play both of them? And if that's the case with Jared coming back, you have to drop two forwards off the bench, which is also a big risk. Oh, I think that... Back in, I think you've got to play Sam Verrills just as a bit of cover and as a bit of backup. Um, and I think that's one of the dilemmas that Trent Robinson will have to weigh up this week is because if he does want to bring Jake back, and he, he's indicated he... he he does. He, he's, he pointed out that he um, he did the same thing with Boyd Cordner mm. in the 2013 grand final. Boyd hadn't played for eight weeks and he brought him back in um, for, for the grand final. Um, so there's no doubt that if Jake's available, Jake's fit, that he'll want to bring him back in. But if he's, if he's got some doubts about him, he's going to need that cover on the bench, then, you know, does that affect the balance of the team? Um, so mm. that, they're the sort of things that he's going to weigh up. Yeah, and look, it's tough that someone's going to have to miss out. Um, and as you pointed out, two players are going to have to miss out with Jared, where Hargrave's coming back as well. But, you know, that's, that's rugby league. That's, that's how it, how it yeah. goes. We've got big squads, 30-man squads now. Um, you know, and in, sometimes the player gets a, the opportunity to play in a game like this because of a, an injury or a suspension. And other times um, someone loses their spot because a, a star player comes back from an injury or, or suspension. And... Uh, you know, the Roosters will put the best team, be their best possible team on the paddock this weekend. They haven't been able to do so all season, but um, you know what? This actually could be the first time all year that the Roosters are at uh, at full strength and have what we would consider to be their their best 17-man um, squad mm. playing. It's a scary thought. Um, so the game before this was the Broncos and the Warriors in the NRLW. The um, Broncos, I think, had already guaranteed themselves a, um, a grand final spot. But the Warriors, um, with some personal tragedies through their, their squad during the week, um, came into this one as some duress, but it was a very impressive performance. It was all yeah, really for the... It was all on the line for the Warriors on this one, right? Like, if they it was a, if they lost, obviously they were, they were out of contention. If they won, they stayed in there. Um, and I thought they showed some real um, desperation in defence. Like, you could tell that they obviously wanted to win. I mean, that's probably um, a redundant phrase, but they were definitely there was definitely um, intent mm. in their, their presence on the field. Um, and I was really, really surprised because, one, they got out to a lead, 
but they managed to defend it. And just um, seeing how they've played throughout the throughout the the series so far, I, I, and the way the Broncos have played, you just sort of knew yeah, the Broncos are going to come and get them, and they certainly did. But the comeback sort of never came off. And first team to beat the Broncos in the NRLW in like, history. In history, like good on them. It was um, really really good, tough defensive effort from the Warriors team. It's a shame that the Dragons um, have push them out of grand final contention um, um, in the in the Roosters game but still um, I thought that a lot of them to take away from this game was really good effort yeah I thought it was just a, a real gutsy effort they were, you know their coach um, Louisa Avaki lost her dad during the week um, she didn't travel with the team um, Honey Herame hasn't been able to play a game for them Honey's mum passed away last week if if, uh, if the Warriors had made it through the grand final they would have had Honey Available and she'd be a real asset, a real bonus for them. Um, but, but it was just a, it was a gutsy effort by the team to come across the Tasman, play in a must-win game against a team that hadn't been beaten for two years, hadn't lost a game in the two years at the NRLW, and uh, and to put aside those issues or maybe be inspired, uh, you know, to, to lift for uh, Louisa and, and Honey. Um, yeah. And, and you know, look, yeah, they can be proud of what they achieved um, yesterday, and they've had a much better season in 2019 than what they had in 2018. I think in 2018 they weren't prepared for uh, for how you know how good the other teams would be mm. in NRLW. This year they've been really well prepared. Um, and, you know, if not for that second-half effort against or second-half performance against the Dragons last week, they'd be in the grand final. What do you, Brad, what did you think of the uh, Amber Pilly strip right at the end um, to potentially win it for the Broncos where... Um, she made a one-on-one strip, but I think the ref called held at the same time, so it uh, would have. She went away to score a try, but it was um, uh, given a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, uh, that obviously that would have been that was a that was a massive call. That would have been a massive call if she uh, if she scored a try. Um, mm. Look, the ref, the refs know. You know, ref called held. The refs know when it. You know, when they when they call held, they wouldn't have called her back if if they hadn't done so. Yeah. Um, so clearly. You know, clearly that was the right call. Jeez, what a gutsy play! That would have been um, mm. had that come off. That would have been one of the greatest, one of the greatest Super match-winning play. players um, of the season. But oh well, we move on. We do move on. We move on to Friday night, and it's the Green Machine, the Raiders. Twenty-five long years, not just without a premiership, but without even a grand final appearance. The longest grand final drought in the NRL is officially over. Um, they were too good for the Rabbitohs on the night. Rabbitohs probably left a few tries out there in the first half, um, but still, you know, this late in the season, probably not getting the, the best out of some of their their big guns. And the Raiders, once again, their defence got them over the line. How good was this game? I, like, I loved everything about it. Like not just the game, the ceremony that sat like before it, and like there's all the you know the romance of the the first preliminary final in Canberra, and Canberra's um, potentially going to be in a grand final first time in 25 years, as you said. But um, the sellout crowd, the Viking clap before, and I know I've gushed about the Viking clap on this thing before, but just the the shot of a, a packed stadium, and they're all doing that that Viking clap with you know you get flamethrowers and the, the drum beat and everything. It was just like gave me goosebumps, and I'm such a I, I don't know I really I really get off on that sort of stuff. Like I love rugby league for a whole bunch of reasons, but those yeah. sort of things is definitely one of them. And I just it's I loved it, everything about it. And then the game happened as well. But um, how much fun? How much fun? Yeah, look, I thought it was a I thought it was a cracking game of football, mm. like a really really. High quality, high intensity uh, game of football played in a fanta- before a fantastic atmosphere, and and that's in some ways I was 
I, I felt a little bit disappointed last night because I didn't think the game matched Friday night's game, but that's mm. because Friday night was such a good game uh, of, of footy. And, um, yeah, I agree, Kenny, just that I, I love all that stuff as well, you know, what the Raiders have, what the Raiders have done down there with the biking clap, um, uh, Dean Lance blowing the horn before the game, um, a full stadium, and I, you know, the green the green machine when Mal Meninga and Ricky Stewart and and Laurie Daly. I, I grew up watching those guys, and like mm. they were a superstar side, and they were so good to watch, uh, and, and they had such support um, that you know the whole of Canberra were behind them, and, and other people loved them as well. And I feel that this this you know we haven't seen that for twenty five years, and it's back. It's so great to see. Uh, see, the, see the Raiders, see all their supporters in green. Um, see green the, sausages, you know, the green milk, the green bread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, like, it's all back. It's good, old, it's good old fashioned, you know, rugby league tribalism, isn't it? Yeah. And I just mm. feel like it, it made me think that, you know, that regional towns like, or cities like Canberra, like Newcastle, um, you know, they not like Townsville, they really get behind their footy teams. When you go to those places, when there's a big game on like there was um, on Friday night, as soon as you arrive in Canberra, you know that the footy's on. That's all anyone cares about. Everyone's dressed in green. Everyone's just waiting for the footy to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's just a big event. It takes over the whole the whole town, and, and you can't avoid it. Whereas when you go to a big city like obviously Sydney, Melbourne, and to a, to a lesser extent Brisbane, um, you, you miss out on that. And that's that's I just think um, you know it made me think. Geez, we need more regional, more <laughs> regional teams uh, in our competition because it's just. It's so good when a whole city gets behind their team. Yeah, yeah. There were some great moments. I saw a, a shot on Twitter of um, Terry Campisi was down there. I think with some media duties, but he and Jared Croker embracing after full time and looking a bit teary and just thinking about everything someone like Campo has given to a club like that without yeah. ever making a grand final. And just how many great players have, have been through the joint since they last had some some great success. And you know, there's just a so many you know reasons it's a feel-good story and we've talked a lot about all the, the English players I think this has been an unofficial John Bateman um, fan club yeah. podcast for most <laughs> of the season but what he and Hodgson and Whitehead um, and also Sutton who's um, played a fair bit this year have done for that team um, along with a couple of changes like Chance to call Clockstad at fullback it's just been a wonderful ride and, and for Ricky Stewart too there's some great um, great stories this week, in, in particular, though, you know, the fact that Ricky Stewart began his coaching career at the Roosters, mm. um, took the Roosters to a premiership in his first season in 2002, took them to two further grand finals, um, has coached at Cronulla and at, um, at Parramatta, and he's back at Canberra, pretty much, you know, most of us would think where he belongs. He mm, understands yeah. that club, and uh, he said, look, Ricky's had a lot of critics over the years, um, and, and there's no doubt when he went to Canberra, it was, it was pretty much his last his last chance, um, and he, he's, you know, and he's had some, I suppose, some highs and lows, but he's worked really hard to get this team to where 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 they are, you know. And I mean, you know, it's been said before, but like the last time Canberra were in a grand final, Ricky. In fact, every time Canberra's been in a grand final, Ricky has been their halfback. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point. It's um, you know he's Canberra through and through. Um, I guess to finish off with, we'll throw forward to next week. We'll start off with the NRLW. Do we see the Dragons if they can sort of continue this positivity they've shown in the last fortnight, um, putting a, a dent in the Broncos, who, like we said before, have only just lost their their first ever game in NRLW history? No, the Broncos are untouchable. I, I think they'll. Mm. Um, I, I hope with what I saw today with the Dragons, you think it's going to be a really exciting game. 
Um, but the Broncos, they're 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 pretty slick. They know what they're doing. I don't think I don't think um, I think they'll be going back to back. I think the Dragons can get them. Um, I've been really impressed by the way that they've played the last two weeks. The the, the enterprise they've shown in attack. To, to me, um, they play what I consider Dragons football. You know, mm. Dragons football to me is you know uh, is a bit of razzle dazzle. Um, some you know outside backs um, doing some sort of exciting things. You know, speed, uh, good hands, uh, and they've got all of that. Um, their, their back line is sensational. Um, uh, the, the Broncos, look, they're a well-drilled machine, but the Warriors showed what can happen when you put some, uh, you know, when you put the blowtorch to them. I think the Dragons will have learned from um, their round one game against the Broncos. They'll be better mm. for it. And oh, I certainly give them a really good chance, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. It's probably a, a contrast of styles, but I just think, you know, you're that the so Dragons can keep their heads, uh, be patient, um, but also, you know, um, play that enterprising football that they've been playing the last the last couple of weeks. They'll they'll give themselves a really good chance. Yeah, I agree. I think Brittany Braley's added some polish to their team. It's good to see Maddie Studden playing some of her best footy. The, the forward pack's going well. I think Bo Vetti Welsh, who's you know traditionally a dummy half, has been a revelation at fullback and just that star started three quarter lines causing a, a lot of damage. It'll be interesting one to see how it pans out. And obviously the um, the big one. Next Sunday evening, the um, I guess it's the the fairy tale team. I think uh, it's probably going to be supporters of pretty much 15 clubs behind the uh, the Raiders and um, just the the Roosters faithful, mostly cheering for for back to back. How do we see this one panning out? I think it's really um, it gives everyone an easy option, right? It's it's a classic heroes and villains. So I think the Raiders will get a lot of support. I think there's going to be a lot of goodwill for them. But I mean, I you know think with your head, not your heart. Those roosters, they mm. are um, they are just one of the greatest teams I've seen, and I can't see them. Uh, I, I can't see the Raiders getting them in this one. Unfortunately, you never know. On the day, anything can happen, and yeah. I really wish it does because I would love to see the Raiders get up on this one. Um, but the way they're playing, the way the roosters are playing, um, it's it'd be hard for any team to stop them. And um, yeah, I just I I, I, I think it's going to happen. Brad, yeah, I think. Um I think, I think the, the Roosters are a sensational team. I think they're a better team than they were last year. Um, they can attack you from from anywhere on the field. Um, you know, left side, right side. Uh, James Tedesco is uh, is probably going to win the Dally M on um, on Wednesday night. Um, Cooper Cronk, his last game, he'll leave absolutely nothing in the tank. Luke Carey is um, you know he's a sensational footballer. He really goes to the really performs in big games. Uh, and they've got a really good forward pack, but the Raiders, you know, the Raiders got nothing to lose. They'll have, they will have, they will be the uh, the people's team. They'll have the support uh, at the stadium and and uh, just in general. And um, look, you know, Ricky Stewart, um, he'll have them prepared uh, to go out there and play the game game of their lives. Um, they won't die wondering. I think this is, this is we're going to be in for a great grand final. Yeah, I think so too. Are they going to be doing a Viking clap at the grand final? They, I think I heard, yeah. that, and Mal Meninga is going to be blowing the horn. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, Mal is. That's right. Yeah. So does that mean there's going to have to be some sort of pre-match preparation for the Roosters? Because otherwise, surely they'll, that'll be seen as some kind of unfair advantage. Huh. Maybe they can do like a giant chicken squawk or something. <laughs> I don't know. Do they have an equivalent? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I don't think so. I mean, when when um, when South played in the grand final in. 2014, um, they they had the bell. If you remember, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Bulldogs didn't have anything. So I think it's just one of those things that 
Um, you know, some clubs have got uh, traditions or, or you know new traditions in in, in uh, Canberra's here that are going to add something to the game, and the NRL will allow that to happen. But I don't think mm. you can just make something up that you haven't yeah. haven't been doing for the rest of the season or, yeah. or in previous years. I think the NRL, it looked like massive Grinches if they said you can't do that. The Viking clap and the horn at the, the game. I'm not even sure too many Roosters fans would begrudge them that. Um, I don't know if it make too much difference once the game starts anyway. But, boys, it's the end of another podcast, and it's the end of the Sunday session for 2019. Obviously, we're not on next Sunday because that's the big day, the grand final day. Um, so this is our last one of the season. Um, thank you both for joining us. Thanks, obviously, as well to, to Craig Wing, who's been here pretty much all year but couldn't be here today. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. We'll hopefully be back uh, round one next year. Yeah, what a ride. And you know what? Thank you, Chris Kennedy, because you really held this thing together. You're the <laughs> only one that show. actually watches the games. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, um, it's been great. Um, and again, what a season. I wish I could do it all again.